privilege to be invited to your family. So thank you. I brought a couple pictures to start off with because some of you know me. I know a lot of you. But it's always nice when somebody's new to the house to kind of share a little bit about yourself. So my name is Sheree Brock. I'm the associate pastor at Hope Vineyard, formerly known as Hillsborough Vineyard. I've been a youth pastor for over 10 years, and I've led small groups. I've hosted a lot of um, things at my house. I have been to Mexico and Nicaragua with your church. I've been to the Philippines. I've been to Italy. I've been to Sweden and short-term mission trips. I've been an entrepreneur. I had my own business for 23 years. I was a special needs foster care provider for children. In the last eight years of my career, I did special needs adults. My husband has his own business. I went back to school, got a degree, finished that up in January. Yay! I'm in VI right now, finishing up my degree in Vineyard Institute, which is really exciting. Everything was due today, just so you know. So this term's over. Um, I, one of the things that, that I find interesting when, when I look past my life, I never necessarily planned on being a pastor, but my heart was always for Jesus. And I did it in the midst of raising four children. So I had to bring this picture. It's kind of hard to see, but my kids, there you go. This is my tribe, okay? I have four children. One is married. Uh, one is going to ask somebody to marry him soon. And I have some adopted kids from Nicaragua that are here this morning, Ana and Andres. So with my daughter-in-law, I'm up at seven children already, and uh, soon to be eight with the, with the new in-law. Uh, the next slide is my cute little grandchildren. And yes, I'm a grandma. Every time I say that, I just get delight. She's my three-year-old Peyton Rose, who had to be a fireman. And her brother, who was a fireman, Davy Joe, and he's two. So that tells you a little bit about who I am and where I've been and what I invest in. Um, that picture of my kids was Friday night. It was my birthday. It was so fun. And they all showed up to be with me, which is all a mother ever wants. But the interesting part of that day was um, I was at a funeral for a woman in our church. And it's actually the second time. I've been at a memorial on my birthday. And I think, God, what are you doing? I don't have the gift of death, do I? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, but as I'm, as I'm there, it was poignant. It was an honor. And it was beautiful to sit and think about what really matters in our lives, what, where value is, where um, at the end of our journey, where do we end up? With Jesus. So... Um, it was, it was beautiful to do that. I'm getting ready to celebrate next Monday my 24th wedding anniversary. So exciting. A lot of hard work to make that happen, I promise you. <laughs> um, and what an honor to journey with a partner that God gives you. I mean, that's such a blessing. Uh, I, I just wanted to share a little bit about all of that. Because as I go back to, I didn't necessarily set out to be in the ministry, but I set out to live a life worthy of the calling of God, a life of balance, work-life ministry. And so 
I just wanted to share a little bit about that part of my story as I delve into what I brought. I brought a message today about um, trust and clarity and looking for lost things. And they do tie together a little bit. Um, But I felt it was a really good word from the Lord as I was praying for your church body. I, I just couldn't get away from both topics. So that's what we'll be talking about this morning. I think that scripture is all about invitation to sacrifice, invitation to obedience. And um, often, it's not easy. Amen? It's not easy. But I'm learning to trust the Lord with all parts of me, body, mind, soul. It's all three things. And in that, um, how do we find trust versus clarity? And how do we find lost things? So we live in uncertain times. Would you guys agree? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Politically, it's probably the most uncertain time of my life. It just seems like it's such unrest in our country right now. Socially, I feel like we are in times, uncertain times. We have more social media than ever before. Um, It's it's interesting. It's uncertain. It's, It's an uncertain time. And economically, it's been up and down for years. So we live in this tension of uncertain um, times that we live in, but our lives are uncertain as well. We all face uncertainty. There's nothing certain in our lives. It might be our health. It might be our jobs. It might be our finances. You know, it might be someone um, in your circle of friends. It's unpredictable. Life is unclear. It's the nature of the journey. We cannot avoid uncertainty in this life. But the word of God, it speaks to us. It speaks to us about faith and trust and finding lost things. There's a great picture of Mother Teresa. I just love her. And I love this story, so I'm going to read it for you so I don't mess it up. There's a story in a book by the renowned ethicist John Kavanaugh. He tells of a time in his life when he went to Calcutta to work for three months at the House of the Dying. This experience was part of his heartfelt search for direction about his future. The first morning there, he met Mother Teresa. She asked, then what can I do for you? Kavanaugh asked her to pray for him. What do you want me to pray for, she asked. He responded by explaining that he'd come thousands of miles from the U.S. to find direction. Pray that I have clarity. She said firmly, no, I will not do that. When asked why, she said, clarity is the last thing you need. You are clinging to it, and you must let it go. Kavanaugh commented that that she always seemed to have the clarity he longed for. She laughed and said, I have never had clarity. What I have always had is trust. So I will pray that you trust God. And I love that. I love that. Clarity. We'll We'll talk about clarity for a second. There is something in all of us that wants clarity. It's, it's a little bit a part of our sinful ego. 
It's a little about avoiding anything anxious of the unknown. We want to know where we're going. We want some form of control. Clarity can become an idol that replaces authentic trust. Now we're talking about idols. Hmm. In many ways, we would rather understand the details of the road ahead than rest in deep intimacy with the Father God who promises to direct our steps. I believe the more Mother Teresa spent time with the Father and the more she looked for him and found him, she had less and less need for clarity. See, he's never promised to show us this 10-year plan, right? Clarity can actually become um, counterproductive because it shortchanges trust. A life of faith, moment-by-moment dependence on God. Now, you see, my degree is in organizational leadership. Do you know what one of the topics that came up in every class I took? Strategic planning. Be a strategic thinker. Ooh, I love plans, you guys. I love to plan. I love to have plan A, B, C, and a backdoor D. Like, I just have so many ideas. People are like, whoa, bring it down, Sheree. Like, I love that. All my life, I've loved that. And I find the tension of living in a place of trust, not always clarity. Uh, My husband and I, to, to make our 24th wedding anniversary, we invest in our marriage. We are intentional. We see a marriage counselor. We believe that God has blessing and goodness in marriage. And it takes work. Sometimes people get it easier than others. We are the kind that had to surrender our will, sacrifice, and work hard. Our counselor's name is Ruth. And so we were sitting with her a couple weeks ago, and we said, look, we're in the middle of all of these decisions. We have so much transition in our life right now, so much change. We just want to do what God's calling us to do. We want the answer. We want to go on the right path. Lord, direct my steps. And she listens. She smiles. And she's just so sweet. She nods her head. And she said, do you believe God is everywhere? Yes. Do you believe he is with you? Yes. Emmanuel, God is with me. Then she goes, so do you believe he'll be with you if you take the road to the left? Yes. Do you believe he'll be with you when you take the road to the right? Yes. Will he be with you in success? Yes. Will he be with you in failure? Yes. So we left there going, Emmanuel, God is with us. He never leaves me. He never leaves you. He never forsakes us. He is still God. He's still there. Trust. Hmm, let's talk about trust now. We saw what clarity was. But what is trust? Scripture tells us, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Psalm 62, 8. Trust in him at all times. I don't hear in good times, in successes. I hear trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Yes, we must pour out our hearts. And sometimes they'll contain praise 
and thanksgiving, worry and fear, doubt and uncertainty. But he can handle all of that. Pour out your heart to him. God is our in-the-moment refuge. Right now, today, he is our refuge. He is not Google Maps. He is not, Sheree, take a right. 1.3 miles, take a left. He's not that GPS. We must trust him at all times. We should never take that for granted or take God's refuge for granted. So we see in Hebrews 11, right, the great faith chapter. We are reminded that trust is strongest when clarity is dim or non-existent. There's risk to that. Noah, what did he do? He built an ark. That's the story. He waited 120 years for rain. That's not clear. I'm going to build an ark and there's no rain. I would call that lack of clarity, maybe. Just saying. Uncertainty. Got a big ship in my yard and I don't know what for, right? But it was obedience. Sarah was told to trust God for a baby. She didn't know how that was going to happen in her age. Abraham. I love this. He went out with his son, not knowing where he was going. He planned on sacrificing his son with no clarity or what the outcome might be. The stories are extensive. The truth is unmistakable. Faith flourishes when we trust God. It flourishes. When we're willing to let go of our insistence for clarity, when we let go and trust God, we could have great faith stories. I mean, I think of Mary. You guys, Mary. Emmanuel, God is with us. The angel comes to her and says, you're going to be pregnant. What was she willing to risk? Her reputation. Maybe ever having a husband. She was willing to um, risk community. She would have been on the outside of community as a, as a pregnant, unmarried woman, or actually teenager, guys. We want to chart the course. I, I, most of us, we want to have a plan. We want to head in a direction. But the Bible says to walk by spirit. We insist on that strategic plan. And we'll say, pray for me for clarity. Lord, show me which direction to take. We say it all the time. And I don't think that's a bad prayer. That's not what I'm getting at. But I think there's a deeper root in our faith, one of trust, that's going to be a little more exciting. It's going to be a big story. Jesus says, follow me. The Lord says, trust me. And we can because we know it's true about his character. I want you to remember as you go through these uncertain days, and you might not have the answer, that you would realize the gift you've been given of faith. Faith is not certainty. It is the single most important ingredient to a life-pleasing God. That's Hebrews 11.6. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. 
believing unto obedience, submission to him, right? Ultimately, in Hebrews, they had to obey God. Submission. You know, I love the saying. I love the reminder. What's on your calendar? Look at your calendar, and it will show you what you prioritize. You know, most of us have a calendar. Look at your checkbook or banking account. You'll see what you prioritize, right? How can we really say we trust God if we're not willing to obey? It takes action. You know, the part in the scripture says, and he will make your path straight. I think sometimes we want to hear, and he will bless you, overflowing, shaken down, pressed down. Woo! And, and I, I do believe God has blessing. We will have seasons of blessing. There's no doubt in my mind. But the path straight, I don't believe, means that. I think what it means, it's a straight path without sin and temptation. It's a straight path to, to trust and faith in all things. And everything and everywhere surrendering to God. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, says the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways. He's done a pretty good job so far, guys. The whole Bible is the story of reconciliation, He has a plan. We don't have to have the plan. We can trust in him. There's a book out right now um, by Eugene Peterson, and I've not read it, and I want to, but I love the title, so I have to just mention it. it the title is A Long Road of Obedience in the Right Direction. Man, man, that's what I want. I want my life to be a long road in the right direction. I want to be a person of longevity and faithfulness, running the race and enduring. Isn't that what you guys want? Longevity, endurance. So all of that, I just wanted to share that because I just feel filled with faith right now to be a people group as a son and daughter of the living God to walk out our lives in a place of trust, to move in obedience. I have to tell you, a lot of the times when I was serving the kingdom of God, one of the things I had to do was hospitality, and it cost me something to open up my door and invite people into my home. You guys, today I have 40 people coming over for Thanksgiving dinner. No joke, 40 people, crazy. And one person is shocking, and they called me yesterday, and they're like, can so-and-so come? And I'm like, do they want to come, really? <laughs> like, I was so surprised that they wanted to come to my house. Seriously. And I thought, this is the kingdom of God. Yes, come in. There's the invitation. And the reason why I bring up hospitality is because there's a piece about the loss that we cannot lose as Christians. And this is, as I was praying for your church, this is where the Lord led me. Finding lost things. I come to you guys so humbly this morning because I want to share with you something that I wouldn't be standing here before you if it wasn't for your faithfulness as a church. Remember who you are, that prophetic word you gave. I was like, that's what the Lord said. Remind them who they are. You planted a church in Hillsboro. It cost you something. It was love. It was sacrifice. It was obedience. It was resources. 
it costs you for me to be standing here today. Your food pantry, it comes with resources and attention and work and sacrifice. You could go home and watch football today, but instead you're going to serve families. And it's the compassionate heart of Jesus for the lost and the needy. Mission trips, they cost money. They cost you your vacation time. They're exhausting if you've been on the youth ones. (laughs) They stay up all day long. No, (laughs) they never go to bed. Um, It is, it is, it's exhausting. It comes with a cost, but yet I get to be with them when they encounter the presence of the living God. And when the presence hits them and they say, I'm all in for the rest of my life. I met Jesus here in Mexico. This is this church's birthright. This is what you're doing in the kingdom of God. I came here to remind you who you are. Baptisms, they've been happening here for years. This is a faithful body. Marriages, lots of marriages here. Babies, I saw babies here, right? Celebrations of life have been here. Memorials. But that's not the greatest thing that's happened here. The greatest thing that's happened in this church body is that you went after the lost and the lost have been found. It is the gospel story. And you guys, I'm so filled up right now with the gospel story. The gospel story is life, finding lost things. It's why we do church. It's why we get together to remind us who we are to find lost things. I got a little preacher in me sometimes. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not, be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. When we experience fear, when we are dismayed, when circumstances are not what we think they should be, God says, don't fear. Don't fear, for I am with you. He will strengthen you. And when you feel like falling, he will uphold you with his right hand, which is strength and authority. The lost are found in him. I get so excited about this. The Lord just keeps bringing me back to the lost being found. I can tell you some of the greatest times I've ever had in church is when I've seen someone come forward and say, I'm all in. I want to know Jesus as my Savior because I know that is the most important thing that will ever happen in their lives. The lost will be found by Jesus. And it says in the word that not only will we rejoice, not only will joy be set upon them as they find Jesus, it, it is celebrated in heaven. We want joy released? Let's go find the lost. Let's go tell the lost about Jesus. I love Luke 15. I love Luke 15 because there's three different ways of the Lord telling us to find the lost things. It starts in verse 1 through 7, and it talks about the sheep. And you guys, the sheep, the one that gets away, is because he doesn't obey the shepherd's voice. And he's just like kind of living his life like, oh, the grass over here looks good. That's life that happens. We forget about the lost. We forget our purpose as a church, and we, we kind of go, oh, we'll go do this at church. And the, and the Lord is saying, the lost are my heart. And I don't want you to forget today about the lost. Verses 8 through 10 is where we're going to 
um, read together. It's the parable of the lost coin. And it, and it starts here in verse 8. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins, and she loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors, and together they rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels over of God over one sinner who repents. One of the things as I was researching this I thought was interesting. There's three stories. The prodigal son is the last part of Luke 15. I would encourage you to go home and read the whole chapter. But in the parable of the lost queen, it's a woman. And she's in her house, and she loses something. And one of those commentators is like, gravity. The coin falls and then rolls. Right? It's life happening. Sometimes we roll with life, right? And she loses something. One commentator said one silver coin was like the day of 10 wages. So if she lost 10, it was like 100 days of wages, which is let's say she lost three months of salary. Would you look for three months of salary if that was lost? Amen, right? Yeah, I would be looking and praying. <laughs> um, but then, then she says, I call all my friends and we celebrate when it's found. And I just can't help but thinking, are we celebrating when the lost are found? Have we forgotten that that's the simple gospel, the simple story? Are we celebrating salvation? Are we telling others about Jesus? Man, you guys, yesterday, <laughs> I had to sit and weep. Because when I was at the memorial for our friend, the Lord was telling me, you have 40 people that are in this house of God. Talk to them about Jesus. And I had a meeting, and I had to talk about church finances, and I left the people God sent us to our house, and I didn't say a word. It was a hard day yesterday. Hour and a half, I just kept crying. Father, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. And I think so often we get about doing our lives, we forget about those around us. You guys, hospitality is, is probably the most demonstrated way of salvation in, in the New Testament. Jesus would say, come eat with me. Right? He'd go sit down, or he'd say, take me to your house. How many times did Jesus invite himself over? I love that. You, take me to your house. I'll tell you about my Jesus, you know, right? Like, who does that? But Jesus did it all the time. That was his model. And so I think some of us today might have grown tired of inviting people over, tired of going to the grocery store and cleaning our house and giving up our day off. I'm, I'm just being real with you guys. We all have work-life balances. But the invitation is so important. I'm going to be closing in just a little minute. Um, but I want to read Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. Because I believe he wants to renew our passion for the loss this morning. I really do. Everything in me says this is the word for Portland Vineyard this morning. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, 
following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. The sheep disobeyed. I don't know how much more you can be lost than to be dead in sins. It is true. We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's Ephesians 2.3. We were all lost, every one of us. But, and that word but is the door on which everything hinges. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, great love, great love, I mean, the, we can sing about it for the end of time. There is no, we will never understand the, the, the fathom riches of his love. In fact, in worship this morning, it was super cool. I, I saw us all of a sudden at the throne room, and I saw your worship team. And I saw them as servants of the Most High around the throne room of God, serving him and saying, holy is your name, worthy is the Lamb of God. That's what worship is. We're serving the throne room of God and declaring to all who he is. And I just want to thank you again, worship team, because that's what you're doing every week, right? You're serving, you're sacrificing, and you're taking us to the throne room of God. But God, being rich in his mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places, Christ Jesus. That's Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. There's nothing better than to share the gospel with someone who comes in to repentance and faith in Christ. There's no other kind of joy when you see a life transformed from death to life. We're not the only one who rejoices. All of heaven rejoices with us. That should be our joy when we see someone saved. Um, we're going to close now. And I think there's so many ways we can remember the lost I think often it's an invitation over to your house to have a meal. You know, the statistics show right now that family members, um, if, if people come to know Jesus, the, the number one way people are introduced to Jesus are family members. Did you guys all know that? Yeah, family members. That's who introduces us to the Father. Are, are we remembering to pray for our family members? Are we remembering to cry out for our spouses, our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors, people we work with? I think some of us are living in an identity of, I'm tired, I'm tired, God, I've done it been there, done that. Can I just rest now, God? Like, I'm tired. I've been all in, and I'm tired. And you know what? He knows that. 
But I think something gets released in the atmosphere when a sinner comes to Jesus and the dead are born again and life happens and joy enters the house. And the Lord showed me that he wants to release joy in this house. The joy of the Lord is our salvation, you guys. And that's what he wants. And and as I was praying for you guys, I was thinking of you making a mental note today. I commit to pray for this person. I commit to pray for this person in my life. I want to remember the lost. Who am I praying for? Who am I in agreement with somebody praying for them? Talk to one another. Share. Who are you praying for? Celebrate together when a lost is found. Come on now. If you found three months of wages, you would say hallelujah. Yes. And I want to encourage you to not grow weary that it is a spiritual battle. You know, yesterday, you guys, I felt like the only way I could describe it, I felt like I was taking claws in to a wall of mud, and I felt like I was doing this all day yesterday, trying to peer, push away the stuff that was pressing in. And I had to sit in that space of repentance because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's about the lost being found. So as they sing their last worship song, I want you to ask the Lord this morning, do you need a renewed heart of hospitality? Do you need a renewed heart for the lost? As I was praying for you guys, I just kept seeing the lost being found in your house and the joy set forth. And I feel the Holy Spirit. I saw him moving on some of you earlier. And I know he wants to do some work in you. And as we close, I'm going to pray. I know you guys know how to pray. And I'm here to pray. And I'm going to, I'll be right up here just in case you want prayer. And I hope you do. I hope you allow the Lord to whisper in your heart, his heart for the lost this morning. 